0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, welcome to What's the Hype podcast. This is your boy, Jay Wade. And I'm Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. And this is What's the Hype. What's the Hype? It's helping young people excel. And it's also cutting through all of the hype, the glitz, the glamour that surrounds the sports industry, and give tangible insight from our experience and our guests to help you get a better understanding of the business and all that comes with the sports industry.
1: All my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding. All my life, look. Uh, all my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice?
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Impress Tax Services. Impress Tax Services is a family owned business specializing in personal and small business tax preparation, along with financial guidance. Their mission is to provide the everyday American with the ability to have access to a financial professional. And with their virtual services, they can help you maximize your refund in the most accessible, convenient and transparent way possible. They can prepare your taxes no matter where you are. Now more than ever, it is important for you to understand your finances and have professionals alongside you guiding and ensuring your success. For more information and to book a free consultation, head over to www.impresstaxservices.com and follow them on all social media at Impress Tax Services. Welcome to What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. And we're excited to have a special guest in the studio today. We have Quay Von Taylor. Welcome to the podcast, Quay. Hey, thank you for having me on, Pope. Man, look, we so, you know, we're excited about the uh, podcast and what we're able to do, man. We just want to be able to uh, go behind the scenes and tell the stories uh, behind the journey, man. So um, with no further ado, man, we just want to dive into uh, about where you're from and what it was like growing up there.
1: Well, I'm from Miami, Florida, uh, Liberty City, growing up in Miami, it was, it was challenging, and at times it was, it was something that you you grown to love. You know, uh, I grew up on Forty Ninth Street, Eleventh Avenue, right across the street from Charles Hadley Park. I attended Miami Northwestern Senior High School. Uh, Miami, Miami was fun. Miami was fun. Miami was fun.
0: Tell us a little bit about your, like your family structure, family environment. You know, kind of, you know, dad, mom, just you know, what was the the family impact growing up?
1: Okay, taking back. Growing up uh, in the
0: household for me, it
1: was mom and grandma and uncles. Uh, Dad was in prison from the time I was born. You know, most of my uncles, they were in the streets. You know, they made their money in the streets. My mom and my grandma did the best they could to keep me on the right path, you know. But
0: being around Miami, you know, it's it's inevitable. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you you think um, not having... Your dad there necessarily? What what do you think that did for you as a as a youngster? I mean, you said you had your uncles. Kind of how? What what what? You think that did for you at an early age? I think at an early age.
1: Uh, break it down. Look, I think young men need to learn how to t- tie ties. You know, absolutely. S- things as simple as that. I didn't learn from my dad. Uh, little boys need to have that talk about having sex. True. those talks i couldn't have with my dad or my mom it was weird you know a little awkward yeah had that with a mom so a lot of things i learned i learned out there you know out there in the streets in liberty city uh me and my peers my friends you know older friends they taught me a lot of things and the game of football has taught me a lot as well
0: i'm glad you say that because i you know i speak of that for a lot of kids um that father figure or that family environment, sports became that for them. So, tell us a little bit about when you first got introduced to sports, and um, you know what that did for you.
1: Well, I was first introduced to sports at a young age. Uh, my dad, he was he was in prison from the time I was born until the time I was say seven years old, and then he repeatedly kept going back to prison. But when he first got out of prison, he introduced me to boxing that was the first sport I, I learned was boxing so I fell in love with boxing but two or three years later my my dad went to prison again <laughs> so living in an uh, environment that I lived in you know everybody played football and I was naturally the apex predator among my peers so when I played football it's just something I gravitated towards and I liked to hit people and it was a it was a place where I could hit people and it was legal violence you yeah. know
0: where you don't get in trouble where you're having fun you know right. With the guys, so so. How early on did you know this was what I I wanted to pursue?
1: I mean, football for me, I knew I, it was something I was good at when I when I was able to put on those pads, put on that helmet, put the mouthpiece in my mouth, and I was to. Punishment out, yeah. you know, lay, the, yeah. lay punishment out, and I was to see guys' head go backwards and the fear on their face and the way they respected me on the field. I knew that I can do this, you know,
0: I can do this. Absolutely, I mean, that's you know that type of this type of sport, that type of sport really make men out of uh yeah. out of out of out of, out of ch- children. Um, so so you you start playing at an early age and you find yourself in high school right you start you looking forward to attending high school this high school that you attended uh miami northwestern historically uh, uh sports wise very rich you uni- know rich school in general but in terms of sports it's a lot of history so as you walk into the doors of miami northwestern as a ninth grader what was your expectations going into this school and uh your perspective of playing football there
1: Well, I played my Little League football at a park on 62nd Street and 10th Avenue called Tekosi Park. Mm -hmm. And playing at Tekosi Park, we practiced at Holmes Elementary, if you know about Miami. Holmes Elementary is right behind Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So as a kid, I saw Northwestern every day, every day from Little League. So I see these big guys out there banging, and I'm out here banging on the Little League, and I always wanted to be a bull, you know, so... When I got my opportunity to be a bull, man, it was amazing for me. And it was all that, all that I thought it would be. You know, I got a chance to play football with some of the greats. Uh, my fellow linebackers, uh, Levante David, Sean Spence, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was my scout team quarterback. Uh, to name a few, uh, we had a lot, a list of guys, man, that went Division One football, man. Uh, eight to go to UM. You know, I went to the University of South Florida, you know, it was just
0: special. Our quarterback, Corey Harris, I mean, we were just a phenomenal team. I mean, star-studded, right? And I like to talk about, when I talk about some of the greatest Northwestern teams or some of the greatest high school teams that I've seen, I love to talk about the 2006, 2007 uh, teams that you guys had. And I compare it to the, like, the 98 teams of the West. And, yeah. and then and, and kind of growing up as a kid, that team to me was on a pedestal like I was like yo there's no way another high school team can compete when you have guys like a Javonnie Ward guys like Tory Cox Vernon Carey uh, the Twins the Weaver Twins like these were guys like like legends in Miami right yeah. so when I saw you guys playing I'm like yo this is something different man yeah. the, the, the offense I mean you guys was uh, putting up points at a high rate and then on defense I was stopping everybody yeah. So, so to kind of Talk about that team and what it ended up... When did you realize that team was was special? I mean, I think, man...
1: It all started in those summer workouts. Right. Running that track. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a guy like Antoine Eastland running this ball, and you looking like, man, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And us being linebackers, we was like, we got to stop him so we can be amazing. You know, so I guess... It came in a, in a work ethic. We all worked hard, and we always knew that in order to be the best, we had to work the hardest. And you know, and and, and we can't take nothing away from hard working and our coaches. You know, we had a lot of great coaches. Coach Roland Smith. Uh, when they left, we had Coach Billy Roll and his coaching style. I mean, and all the guys w- were bought into the program and bought into the vision of winning.
0: Man, I think you guys had some, not to, you know, you guys had some guys that was, like, literally coaches on the field. Like, I believe, you know, after the transition with... Roland Smith, it, it, I don't think it really mattered what coach came in because y'all guys had a system and y'all knew each other and y'all had been rocking for a while. So I knew that it, it, you know, it didn't matter, but you know, y'all was fortunate enough to have a coach like Billy Rowe that just allowed you guys to kind of live that life. But you guys were almost like rock stars. So give me a little bit of an insight of what that felt like. Guys going and bringing back state championship, being ranked in a nation, uh, playing a national schedule. National Kind of tell me what was that like In leading up to the recruiting process Of all these guys on one team
1: I mean the structure The structure and the discipline that we had Coming from the coaching staff With Coach Roland Smith was bar none mm-hmm. You know uh, those guys Made sure we were what we're supposed to be You know they were fathers to us uh, In the schoolhouse on the field, you know, for a lot of guys that didn't have fathers, and for the guys that did have fathers, they still were their fathers too. Certain things that we can go to and talk to our coaches about that you wouldn't feel comfortable talking to your parents right. about. Mm-hmm. So even with the pay of coaches, I think they should pay high school coaches, you know, because Absolutely. the job that high school coaches do. I mean, it's so much greater because the college coaches, you're getting kids that have already been taught a lot of things. You right. know? You're not getting a kid from scratch. Right. I mean, the, the high school coaches are getting you from scratch. You're coming from Little League, being a little boy. Now we're trying to make you a man now, fast, to, to prepare you for college. Right. Uh, so I think that's unique right there. And to talk about the recruiting process, the re- recruiting process was crazy. You know?
0: can imagine just all the different coaches that was walking in and out yeah. of the buildings <laughs> yeah. on a day-to-day basis. I mean, any, anybody from Bobby Bowne yeah. to, I mean, it could, I'm, yeah. I'm sure... I may imagine, may we seeing these people on the field with us, and we were able to touch them. So
1: it was, it was, it was mind blowing, but it was also motivational. You know, just being out there to see these people out here. Now we know that, oh, they, they here, they here. Right. This is what we want. We brought the people here. Yeah. Now let's come perform. And you know, the recruiting process was crazy for me. Uh, I had a lot of offers. I thought it was going to be between uh, UT, Tennessee. And South Florida, I chose the University of South Florida. At the time, South Florida was on the rise. I don't know if you remember about yeah. that yes, time. Sir. Yes, sir. Back in that time, uh, South Florida was at a point where they rose to number two right. in the in, the, in the nation. So, I mean, what Jimbo, I mean, what Coach Levitt mm-hmm. Jim Levitt was doing, man, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing.
0: I mean, no question. I mean, he, and he, and he did a great job of recruiting South Florida, right? Yes, he had a yes. lot of guys that was down from that. West Palm Beach for a lot of the Miami area, specifically Miami. He had a lot of guys coming from down there. So I was always pulling for those guys because there was a lot of guys up there on that, you know, from 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 South Florida. So you decided to go with South Florida. Um, what was it like transitioning from a kid from Liberty City, rock star lifestyle, sports, football king, going to Tampa, right, as a freshman, walking onto that campus and then understanding, you know, school work, balanced life type situation, what was it like for you?
1: Uh, the guy that recruited me, his name was Coach Larry Scott, and I credit a lot of my success, uh, a lot of things he taught me. Uh, and those in that short span of time when he recruited me, he stuck with me. He didn't just recruit me and just say, okay, I'ma drop him when he get here and let him do his own thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of was in my corner, like telling me, on top of me, like, wait, it's different now. You know, nobody don't have to wake you up for class now. So this is what you got to do. And they dropped it on me. He, and he talked to me as a man. And and I respect him so much. Now he's at the University of Florida. I think a lot of that recruiting that happened at University of South Florida was a lot because of him. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at him now, he's the number one recruiter in the nation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's...
0: <laughs> I mean, and that's, and that's rare because he wasn't your position coach. He was, was tight ends coach. Tight ends coach. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you look at the recruiting process um when guys are able to relate to somebody in the office or somebody in the building that definitely gives people an advantage um in terms of recruiting process when you know somebody care about you yes 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 so with that being said now you you're on campus and now you're into the rigors of you know this is what it's like what how did you how did you process that um, in terms, of, in terms of like your mentality, did you want to get out there and play right away? Did you understand that it was a process to you? Eventually, you know, being able to get on the field. What, what?
1: Football, football wise, I was ready to get out there and play right away. Uh-huh. I was just coming from winning a national championship, being the number one high school in the nation, and I'm putting on my pads and I'm out there able to compete, to actually compete right. for a job. Uh, the process was difficult for me to wait your turn because I didn't come from a culture like that. You know, uh, Miami North West and the, the best man play. Right. The best man play. Mm-hmm. And just to come up there and, you know, have to learn how to balance school and how to b- balance all these other different things. It was difficult. It was different. It was, I wouldn't say difficult, it was different uh, because at Miami North West and it was a little more uh, block schedule. Well, you got this class, that class, that class, that class. Now, everybody got different classes. Right. And now you got to, now they got to fit Your weight room schedule into that. They gotta fit your practice schedule into that. So now
0: everything's different. You know, you got to eat. Uh, Everything is time. (laughs) You know, I like to tell guys too. Like, the earlier you can realize it's a business to this thing, I think the better off you 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 become. So what you're speaking of is understanding it's a business, and you're the CEO of your own business, right? So you gotta get the class. You gotta go get wakes. You gotta study hall, whatever it is. So. Amongst that, a lot of times, you know, some guys they have trouble adjusting or they just they need somebody to necessarily walk with them. Let's you know, let's talk about, you know, you being there your time, then you had a setback. What kind of lead? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, a little bit about my setback. Uh I was in Miami. Uh, I was pulled over on a routine traffic stop. Officer said I matched a bolo of a guy that was robbing. I don't match the bolo at all but I was arrested, Uh, a a slew of armed robberies. Uh, I had to go to trial and fight these cases. It took three years of my life. Wow. Three years of my life. Um, These things right now happen every day, you know, and a lot of guys, because they don't have money to fight certain cases, they take pleas. Right. But unfortunately me, I had money, I had a lawyer, so I, I was able to go to trial and fight my cases in trial and win my cases in trial.
0: So, what time of year was it? you say you're in Miami? was it during the season off season summer what like you was down in miami kind of what time
1: March nineteenth round
0: spring, so kind of
1: two thousand nine I will never forget wow, two thousand nine I' will never forget uh, the officers on my case, a couple of them were fired actually because in my case, there were a lot of things going wrong, so that's that what helped me beat my case as well. Uh, you know, right
0: now I'm looking into a civil suit.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so you, so, so tell us a little bit. Give us a little bit about um, the mindset behind it. So, how how long were you behind bars? And you know, when you first realized it was real, when they you know put you in that cell, close that door. Tell me what you know. What was the process for you trying to figure out what was the next step and how to eventually you know um, find your way out?
1: So, I was behind the bars for thirty months. Uh, it was very difficult. I mean, most people, when they are arrested, I mean, you have a release date. Some people might know, I'm going to do 10 years and I'm coming home. Some people, I got to do five years. I'm coming home. I got to do 15 years. I think for me, the biggest part was the unknown, fighting your cases. The first day when I went to the arraignment and the judge said, no bond. So my people were coming to bond me out, you know, but I had no bond. So imagine you have to fight these cases with no bond. And now you're behind bars, you're fighting the case, you have to go through the head count, head count, these different things right here, but you have no bond. And I think the hard, I knew it was real when my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, she came to one of my court dates, and the judge said, Mr. Taylor, you all these cases that you have are PBL, you by life. You know if you go to trial and you lose, you're going to get a life sentence and I will give you a life sentence. I knew it was real then. Uh, At that time, I was telling my judge I was trying to plead for 10 years. Imagine me trying to plead for 10 years. Like, yeah, you give me 10 years in prison, man, I'll just take it and go my way. And, you know, God blessed me to
0: come out clean. It's so crazy because so many guys would have took pleas like that because, you know, I'm facing life. What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships, so you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Guilty Innocent. It doesn't matter. I, at least I want to know I got a date. Yeah, you know that my life isn't over. So you go through this process, and you eventually find yourself on a great side of this, getting opportunity. But you lost almost three. You lost three years of pretty much of your life. What was your thought process in the goals you had coming out um, and for yourself when once once you got uh, once you beat this case? I told God,
1: uh, you helped me uh, come from out of this situation. God, I'll just continue to play football. Uh, chase my dreams and be a better man and live for you, and hopefully motivate and inspire others to live the right way. You know, it's a lot of kids in the inner city areas that I see they need a little hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like I'm the people's champ, Absolutely. you know, and as long as I keep fighting, they I give them reason to keep fighting. So All right.
0: That was motivation for me. And then, so, so what did you do next? What was the steps and... What did you do in terms of your football career? Oh, when I was released, I instantly was
1: motivated. I st- while I was arrested, I worked out like I was home. You know, I ran and I worked out like I was home. I knew what I needed to do because I knew the God that I served, he would ev- eventually bring me home. So when I came home, I started trying to apply to schools. It was different, you know, going in going into high school, coming out. I had all type of PWIs, oh, we want to recruit you, we think so highly of you, and all these different things, but now that you've been arrested, I look at it differently now, that's when I had to rely on the brothers, the HBCU, Uh, you know, I applied to Texas Southern University, I applied to Shaw University, I applied to Tuskegee University, FAMU, and a couple of other schools, and they all were willing to give me opportunity, you know, but Tuskegee was the best fit for me you know I like Tuskegee it's it it worked with what I was trying to do
0: and I made it work so you're going from USF at the time like you said they're on a rise number two in the nation they're getting guys drafted left and right the city is excited Tampa you know a nice city in itself I mean just just atmosphere then you find yourself at Tuskegee, Tuskegee in Alabama yes What was that adjustment going from one to the other? What was that like?
1: Imagine being in a big city and going in the middle of nowhere. I mean, in Tuskegee, Alabama, the university is the town. Mm -hmm. Outside of the university, there's a bunch of locals. You know, they don't have much going on. You know, uh, in the town, you you don't have a Walmart there. Just let's say that you have a Burger King, a McDonald's, and those are the only restaurants they have there. They have uh, stores that you shop at called Piggly Wiggly. You know, I remember Piggly Wiggly and Calhoun shopping, but they were small shopping plazas. So it was challenging. It was challenging, but I embraced it. You know, I just came from being in a situation where my whole life was, you know almost gone you know to the i was blessed to, i was blessed to take a shower i was blessed i kissed kiss the ground when i walk you know so uh i walk lightly i breathe slower so you know everything was better Every, it was better it was great for me but it was a challenge for my person that i knew coming from a liberty city or miami you know those areas to come to a place like that it's it can be a culture shock
0: absolutely yeah and i think that you going through what you had just came out of it helped you embrace that change like you said because you know you're not getting caught up in all of the you, they don't have this and they don't have that but what I asked for was the opportunity to come here and compete and be in this atmosphere and do what I love to do so at the end of the day all that other stuff was really like small stuff right and you got to get on the field so let's talk a little bit about the, the success you had you know getting an opportunity to walk on campus again it's an adjustment but let's talk about you know getting being a part of the team and the success you had there
1: Oh, the success I had. Uh, my first year there, All-American. Second year, All-American. Uh, third year, All-American. Uh, my first year there, uh, it was it was special. It was special. My first time able to put on the shoulder pads again, put on the helmet. Uh, I thought my at one point, you know, I thought life was over for me. You know, I had told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm ever coming home. I don't know what it's going to look like, baby. But, you know, just be here for me. You know, and I kind of, there was times when I felt, felt down. I caught, felt myself going down, right. you know, and I had to pick myself up. But it was an amazing feeling, you know, uh, to be All-American, to think that it was going to be over and to know that, man, I can still do this. Right. And to know that it ain't go nowhere. It's just like riding a bike. I mean, for me, football is easy. Um, life is hard, mm-hmm. you know, life is hard. Uh, dealing with the day-to-day things, you know, losing family members, you know, uh, when the bills have to be paid, you know those type of things. That's hard that's the hard part of life. Football, it's a time when you're supposed to have fun, you know. I think uh, the best time you, I had fun was in high school, you know. And then you know Tuskegee, being able to play for uh HBCU, you know, where it's not so much about the the, the business side of everything; it's, they care about the person. Right. You know, my coach, Coach Willie Slater, he also, he always preached us graduating. You know, I mean. He was like, you know, NFL, okay, cool. If you make it, you make it. I don't really care about that. You know, I care about you graduating right. and making money so you can provide for your family over a long period of time. And, you know, I think that was big. At that time, I really didn't get it. You
0: know, I didn't get it, you know, but now I get it. Right. I have a family. Now I get it. I man, get it. as a fellow HBCU guy, Bethune, Cookman, Wildcats, man, I I know what you mean. Atmosphere, love, coaches, I mean, professors, you know, it's, it's, it's really like a family, and that's a, you know, The knock or the adjustment you talk about when you talk about PWIs. And a lot of times, you know, as athletes, yeah, you looked at as a celebrity and so forth, but in the classroom and really in that social environment, you're really just a number, right? But at HBCUs, man, it's like, you know, you fit right into the culture. You can be any and everywhere. And I had guys, teammates that was a part of SGA, that was a part of, you know, all these different organizations, and it was like a smooth transition. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't looked at as this big you know this big this big thing or this guy who couldn't go to class because all the students was going crazy about him you know what i mean yeah. so that environment the band playing man i mean just you know it's a whole different adjustment man but yeah. you learn to like man it's it's something special it sticks with you yeah. you know so you 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 had an opportunity you played there for 3 years you decided to come out and leave what was the motivation behind behind that
1: well my motivation was uh i told god the football was for me it was for me but at the time i had my wife she was pregnant she had a kid. We had a kid. We were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Not she. We were pregnant. And, you know, she was in residency. We didn't know where she would match. You know, matching day is just like the NFL. you getting drafted. Well, we matched to Houston mm-hmm. in Houston. And I had to be ready for it just as well as she had to. We had a new baby on the way. So I told myself, I got to put us first, you know. And I, I the best decision I could
0: ever make. So, I mean, again, you had... Inst- uh... Desires to play in the NFL. Because when you talk about, again, guys that you play with, and in my opinion, you know, some of those guys I felt like you were better than. Like I said, as a guy who watched the game, loved the game, I seen that you guys line up on the field, and I say, yo, this number 30 is the real deal, right? Yeah. So you got guys that you play with, as you mentioned, uh, Sean Spence or uh, Levante David. You got these guys, uh, are having a pretty good career or just I mean they're in the NFL yeah. along with a number of other guys that you played against uh, Teddy Bridgewater you was another one of your teammates just you know so you felt as though you, 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 know, you had the potential to play yeah. right so you wanted to pursue that what was that process like for you? For me sometimes like for me
1: I always wanted to play football like right now even in the past right now I could go out there and do it but I knew the only way I can play football is through opportunity uh-huh. You know, I never gave up on football and I and it's like I always stay physically ready, but I also became real with myself, you know. A lot of a th- lot of a th- lot of things have been forfeited. Like let's say for example, me being able to go to the NFL combine. That's one thing that because of the situation that happened with me when I was younger, I had to forfeit that. I had to say, "Okay, I'm not going to the NFL combine." Like the difference between a PWI and a HBCU is the platform, uh-huh. you know, and I know that I knew that, and I was being more real with myself, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I ever gave up on football because they get, come give me an opportunity right now. I'm chasing it, you know, but I also had to be real with what was going on in my life right now. I had a kid, he has to eat. Right. You know, and my wife, we had to have a roof over our head, you know, and this is real. You know, that's real too, but this is real right now. This is what's happening right now, and I had to make sure that I'm the best man I can meet for them.
0: Man, and I commend you for that, man. Um, so, you you took so you took the role the role of uh being responsible for yeah. your son as your wife you know got into residency kind of talk about you know what was that like um obviously being you know uh alpha male wanting to provide for yeah. your household you know what <laughs> i mean but having the wisdom to say okay how can i make our family the most successful as you know and how can i support this and all tell me kind of what was your thought process when it came to that
1: well my thought process went like this um i'm from miami Liberty city as we know in a culture a lot of guys are are in prison so it's a lot of fatherless children so i valued the time more than the money mm-hmm. i learned to value the time because my father was gone and i know what the time felt like to see my friends parents come see him and father especially father. Not parents because my mom she was always there. So I I I value just walking with my son, taking him to the park and those type of things I I cherish. So I think that that's what made it easy because I always wanted to be a great father and I always wanted to be a great man for my for my wife. So I think those things made it a little easier. And then my wife she's amazing. So just to support someone like that is you know
0: <laughs> I mean that goes so so far. I mean just, you know, having the right person in your corner to support you, to to help you because I mean again we we're, we're we're trying to figure this thing out we know what it is we want to do but trying to figure out the steps of how to try to get there and along the journey we start to you know grasp what's really happening and kind of how we can transition into what it is that you know because again we're looking for platforms that maybe you wanted to be in the NFL to maybe have impact on the young kids right from where you're from yeah so being able to just go through that process and figure out man I can do this in a different way yes what what's what's that process been like for you and um where are you at currently now what are you you know are you, are you in school kind of tell me a little bit about that
1: well right now uh, I'm a student at UH uh my wife's decision to come to Houston has also put me in good good graces of the Lord you know mm-hmm. I think my sacrifices God saw that what I did for my family and he was like hey I'm gonna throw you a bone. <laughs> right. So right now, I'm in a phase right now where I'm about to enter law school and I was just sitting behind bars, you know, with my life almost going away. So for a young guy sitting in Liberty City or a young guy sitting in any city or uh, urban areas, you know, where there's a lot of crime, they, they can look at me and say, man, my life is not over. You know, so right now my platform is going through the law. You know, I'll hopefully be into a law program and next year, uh, I'm looking to be into TSU. You know, I'm interning right now with Judge Bill McLeod. i um, campaigning with him. I'm a poli-sci major, a senior, uh,
0: graduating in, in, in the Springs. Hey, good things are coming for me. Man, congratulations on that, man. So, I mean, again, just an amazing story, you know, for somebody, the resilience, the perseverance, the perseverance, man, not to give up. You know what I'm saying? To understand that you're fighting for a bigger purpose um, and just to kind of turn this thing around man you know i'm man it, it's amazing i'm always pulling for you so you you're looking to get into law school and then ultimately what is it that you hopefully want to do with that and um you know what do you think that's going to lead you
1: well my first goal is to become a lawyer so i will get into law school i'll be practicing my LSAT and then get into to be a lawyer then from there i want to be a judge okay you know i want to affect some change for real for real you know i want to be the one uh no, motion denied, you know, motion accepted, because I know it's a lot of things that's going on in the courtrooms that are just swept under the rug, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of people that are doing these things, you know, people hurt people, you understand, just like they say guns don't kill people, people hurt people, and as far as policing, I'm going to give you an example, I feel as though in the urban areas, we need black polices in the black areas, it's like we need Spanish police in the Spanish area, because that's the best way to police the community, with people knowing the people that they are policing, you Absolutely. know, because okay, Fred, that's Fred. That's that's Tony, you know. You know you know they you know the you know the characteristics. Right. Every case doesn't uh call for them to go to jail and get a felony on their record because now they come home and they can't get a job. Right. They can't provide for their families. Now they're more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And now they're prone to go to prison. Now, you don't just break up. You don't just break that person. You break a family. You break a structure and you hurt a kid. Yeah, and now that you who who knows how this kid grows up, uh, there's an old saying. If that's your plant, you gotta water it. Right. How can you water your plant if you're not there? Absolutely. So when you're not there, who's to say that plant will get water? That plant will die. You know, that's the seed. So, you know.
0: <laughs> no, I mean that's that's you're absolutely correct because I think it goes like you said. It's not just. That person, that family, but I like to say it's even an uh, impact on the generational, generational, you know. So it's it, it could be something that you know set that family back years to come. And I, you know, I totally agree with you on that, man. Having guys that's from the community that understand the community, that understand the activities that happen in the community, and how by simple conversation can change, you know, a guy's uh, future, you know, yeah. instead of like, you know, nah, let's throw him in the cuffs and put him into jail. So, I mean, I absolutely agree with that, man. Do you do you see yourself eventually maybe going back to Miami and giving back to that community? What's, you know, what, do you, what, do you, what are your plans with that? Of
1: course, that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. But I want to be prepared. I want Miami to be prepared for me when I come back. Oh. You know, so I'm going to be into all type of things, but I want Miami to be prepared because I'm coming with a different approach. Everything that I learned, I'm trying to implement it to Miami, because that's where I'm from. You know, I, I know 62nd Street, 54th, these are the roads that I know. Mm-hmm. I've grown up there all my life, and I've seen so many friends die. I've seen so many friends go to prison. I got enormous friends that email me every day, JP. you know, just to hear my voice, just to make a picture, you know, and and and, it's, and it means a lot to me. You know, my, Miami is me, right. you know, I just went back home to Miami Northwestern game, Man, it was me, you know, just everybody to say, hey, uh, you know, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 greetings. Hey, yeah. they, they know who I am, and I know who
0: they are, and I'm on this road, and I'm fighting for them, and I know they're fighting for me. It's nothing like going back home, man, and like I said, man, like, I, I keep this, man, you guys was rock stars, man. You guys, I mean, you guys set the standard, um, uh, for... You know what high school football was, and like I said, and we ain't even go start the naming all the guys. I mean, yeah. it was just so <laughs> many guys from the Tommy Streeters to. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just guys. All over the place, man So, again, man That that type of uh, competition That type of level You guys displayed, man That was honorable And again, man The guy that you are today And the things that you Have in store for us, man We really appreciate you, man But again We thank you for coming in Giving us information, man That this information Will be so beneficial To the next generation And guys that are coming up That are kind of Navigating that that, that trail walking those same streets that you walked on 54th and on 62nd, you know, just now they can say, well, this guy, you know, he made some mistakes, but I can learn from the mistakes, right? And I can, you know, right some of those wrongs and make sure that, you know, I can give myself an opportunity for the future, man. So we thank you for joining us on What's the Hype, man, and we look forward to talking with you soon, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment follow us on all platforms at what's the hype podcast
1: i've been grinding all my life all my life been grinding all my life sacrifice hustle pay the price want a slice got to roll the dice that's why all my life i've been
0: grinding all my life thank you for listening to believe